There's a mass protest in front of the, uh, the, the, the capital of Goop Enterprises. Hold on. Just getting word. Just getting word that I, Gwyneth Paltrow will not talk to us. Well, I, good night, everybody. No. Yeah, honestly, that would be it, right? That would be That it. would be the end of the podcast. Yeah. Because why else are we doing this, if we're being honest? We don't really... It's not to share our opinions. It's not because we really like talking about these things. No. We're just here for Gwen. We just want... We really... It is the cease and desist. That's our, like, white whale. Yeah, that is. So, yeah. all right. One of these days. Um, we'll get you, Gwyneth. We'll do something. We are here at the... I'm going to call this the studio. We're here at the studio. <laughs> I mean, this is pretty much how podcasters start. This is yeah. kind of the studio. Yeah. Listen, for all they know, we're in the studio. Yeah. Um, welcome to the We Hope Gwyneth is Listening podcast. I am Toby. And I'm Steve. And we are here to talk about a variety of things as usual, but mm-hmm. I do want to address one thing. Yes. Um, across from me, I am looking at seven movies stacked together, uh-huh. North by Northwest, uh-huh. The Prestige, yeah. The Godfather, mm-hmm. Psycho, Atonement, Die Hard, Don't Frankenstein. Yes. I want you to rank those movies. Oh, shit. Okay, now, here's my question. Yes. And then I will do it without any more questions. Just okay. One question. Is this based on legitimate uh, uh, goodness, or is it based on personal taste? As opposed to illegitimate goodness. Yes. Is this a fake good thing? Is this like a parody list, or is this based on like personal taste? Um, I want you to be objective with it. You want to be objective? Yes. Okay. Um, from least to greatest. Okay. I'm going to go The Prestige. Okay. Um, Which I think is one of Nolan's better movies. It's my favorite Nolan movie. Yeah. So that's rough for me. Yeah. But The Prestige. It's aged really well. It has. Despite, you know, the two dead wives. Thing. Yeah, yeah, that's always... But that's kind of like a Nolan it, it's a Nolan, trademark. It's a, it's a Nolan trope, yeah. So it's kind of like... Yeah, it's just one of those It's one of those things like, hey, you deal with Nolan, you're going to get that. It's an inherent vice. Right. It's dead women. It happens. It happens. Um, So the prestige. Mm Mm-hmm. Atonement. Okay. I really like Atonement. I haven't finished it. Really? Yeah, I've watched bits and pieces. Maybe if I think really hard, I can piece the pieces together. Why haven't you finished it? uh, Because it was on television. Uh Uh-huh. 
and um, a but lot you, of... But you have the DVD right there! You know? <laughs> <laughs> Toby's just blew my mind. No, um, I, 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 I really, I'm, I'm not a fan of Joe Wright as... I've been on the record, not not in this podcast, but just in general. But now you're on the record. Now I'm on, on the this record. podcast. I love, so now Gwyneth knows. I love the 2005 Pride and Prejudice. With, oh, uh, that is a good movie. It's a really good movie. See, I finished that one. Yeah, that's a really good movie. And I love Atonement. And so for me, if he, if Joe Wright just stopped right there, he would, I, I would love him. What else has he done? He did um, Hannah. Okay, movie, I which is fine. I haven't seen that one either. Yeah, you're not. Isn't that an uh, Amazon Prime show now? It's an Amazon Prime show now, but yeah, Lohanna in 2011 that has Saoirse Ronan, um, Eric Bana, Kate Blanchard is playing a re... It's like she's she's operating in the Indiana Jones, Crystal Skull, Thor, Ragnarok villain mode. Okay, so maybe so, one of the better Kate Blanchett's. Honestly, it's fun. She's, She's fun. fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, yeah, the movie's okay. Um, she he also did. Uh, oh God, he did Anna Karenina. Oof. Oh. Uh, yeah. He did uh, Pan. Oh. Yeah. And no. then he did. And then he did Darkest Hour. Toby. Yeah. <laughs> you could not negotiate with. <laughs> okay. No. <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, you cannot reason with, like, what, what is the lesson? When will the lesson be learned? You cannot the reason, reason with, with a tiger when you're in his mouth! You do it better. I, Dad, I, interrupt me while I interrupt you! I keep forgetting the jowl. Oh, that's, the, that's his best physical they feature. Gave him, they gave him the Oscar for that. Yeah, well, yeah, Toby. At this point, you're in, like, an abusive relationship with the Oscars. Oh, no, I wrote about that on my, my own website, like, four years ago. Yeah. Like, I know it. It's just, it's just really disappointing to keep it happening. Yeah, it is cute. Yeah. They, they, they won't stop. They, yeah, no, they, they won't stop, no. The um, cycle of violence will never stop. Because who won last year, Toby, for Best Actor? Robbie Malik for Mr. Robot, so it was all good. Oh, oh, well, that's fine, then. Yes. I thought it was for his, his hillbilly teeth that he picked up at the gas station in arizona <laughs> no he didn't do that that was a pa that was that was like uh, that was like the best boy like oh get, get some tea go, get some tea real quick okay so yeah so we got the procedure we got atonement um and then i'm gonna go die hard yeah young frankenstein okay godfather north by northwest psycho where's psycho, psycho oh shit yeah oh shit um well hang on the Prestige? Yeah. The Prestige? Atonement. Atonement. Die Hard. Die Hard. Young Frankenstein. Oh, no. Or is he Psycho, then Young Frankenstein? Oh, no. <laughs> um, shit. Hang on. The Prestige, Atonement. I'm gonna do it. Die Hard, Psycho, Young Frankenstein, Godfather, North by Northwest. Young Frankenstein is peak comedy to me. You're not wrong. I think it's, and, and I, I love, I, I couldn't put Psycho, I couldn't make it like a Godfather sandwich with two Hitchcock, Hitchcock movies, thank yeah. you. Sorry, the, the mic's recording, so I will now start forgetting every name. That's fine, existence. that's fine. Um, and I'm, I'm also incredibly biased. I'm I trying know. to be objective. No, no, no. Because but I listen, can't. North by Northwest is my favorite Hitchcock movie. It's not my. It's not the best. I, I, I we listen. We be here all. We be here all night if we if we talk about which ones. Is That's movie. true. But North by Northwest is my favorite movie. The Godfather is one of the best American texts that we have yes. in popular culture. So, mm-hmm. and I'm obsessed with that movie. 
I was watching Godfather 2 before I met you today. Very nice. <laughs> I like to think you do that anyway. I, I Like, just do. to kind of, like, get yourself, like, set the mood for I honestly it. quote random things from the Godfather to myself <laughs> at random points in the night, so there's that. That's good. That's um, good. Listen, it, I will do a Jack Waltz impression right now if I if we keep going. I might do it at the end of the, of the podcast. Please um, do. I will. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of agree with that lineup. Me, Cat, for the most part. But yeah, it, you know, it... I'm being objective about it. No, I know. Yeah. I know. I know. Remember The Godfather, North by Northwest, Psycho, Young Frankenstein, Atonement. Nah, no, Young Frankenstein, Die Hard, Atonement, and then Prestige. So kind of the same thing. Yeah, similar. Yeah. It is weird because The Prestige, again, that's my favorite Nolan movie. And that's the no, again, it's, it's the, the one... It's the bottom like, of this whole it's, stack. Yeah, it's but I mean, listen, when you got yeah. two of the best Hitchcock films in there, you got The Godfather. I mean, The Godfather. Die Hard is in there. It's one of the best... Yeah, Die Hard, yeah. It's a, it's, a loaded, it's a loaded pack. So yeah. this is like... And then you also, I'm also looking at from here, you know, you have North by Northwest in there, you got Vertigo in there, which people yep. consider to be the best Hitchcock film. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I don't know. I think objectively it is, but, I mean, the guy was the notorious. It is Shadow, Shadow of a Doubt. Again, it's Hitchcock. It's Hitchcock. It's Hitchcock. I like Rear Window. Rear Window's amazing. Mm. And again, my favorite, my favorite joke about a Rear Window is that whole movie is about Jimmy Stewart not wanting to marry Grace Kelly. Which blows my mind. Which is insane, because it's Grace Kelly. Yeah. She's right there. Yeah. Like, throwing herself at you, wearing the most extravagant nightgowns. Yeah. And you're James Stewart saying, no. He doesn't even say no. He's like, oh, 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 oh well, now, hang on. I, I, I've, I've got no, my like, cat right here. Your lifestyle and my life. We're doing really bad James Stewart. <laughs> like, no. I don't know what Gwyneth is expecting anymore. No, no. No, I, I could do a James Stewart. I got to warm up to it. But it's just like. That's true. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, it's just like my lifestyle, your lifestyle won't compatible. It's like, I'm Grace Kelly, man. Yeah, you can adapt to my lifestyle. I can adapt to so yours. So that you can say you're married to Grace Kelly like, listen, and that, then go home and continue to be married to Grace Kelly. I would even go across the neighbor's pad, break in, and grab evidence for you because you think he might have killed his wife. That's because... true. She's a badass in Oh, that absolutely. Movie. Because I'm Grace Kelly, man. Yeah. What more do you need? This is how much I love you and want to be with you and prove, hey, maybe we, maybe I will have to take the first fucking step. Right. And then they, they, you know, even after all that, she goes back to reading her um, her lifestyle magazines when he falls asleep. And it's like, it's, it's fucking Grace Kelly. You marry Grace Kelly. You marry Grace Kelly. The Prince of Monaco married Grace Kelly. What are we even doing at this point? I don't... Anyway. We could right. honestly be sitting here all night talking about Grace Kelly. I do that constantly anyway. Good. Yeah. There's reasons why we're friends. Exactly. Yeah. You know, she only acted... She didn't do seven movies. She did, like, less than ten movies in four or five years. Really? From, like, High Noon to High Society. Is it High Society? It's, like, four years. That was her. That was her Hollywood career. I mean, she did all this stuff beforehand, right. but like her big break was High Noon, and then she kind of retired after High Society. That's four. That's yeah. That's four years. Damn. She had to, and she won an Oscar. I mean, I, yeah. Maybe there comes a point where you're like, I won an Oscar. I did all these movies that everyone loves. I worked with some of the best directors. All right, I'll cash out. I'll cash out. Be a literal princess. Yeah. Yeah. Because you have to think like, okay, what's the only like you are a you are a superstar celebrity actress. Where can you go up from there? Yes, literal princess. Yeah. That's that's the peak. Yeah. You've topped. Like, there's Hollywood royalty, then there's literal royalty. Then there's royalty royalty. royalty. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't want to stick around Hollywood land for that long. But we're going to talk to Hollywood royalty and Gwyneth Paltrow. So, <laughs> and Gwyneth, there's still time for you to become royalty royalty as well. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need to take over the world to make it happen. You can just kind of, you know, be yourself and, and maybe 
you don't have to like poison people and have blood on your hands to to. Am I digging myself a hole? I I is, did she? Oh oh, the goop stuff. I was like, is she poison people? Oh like, yeah, no, like no, goop. No, no, goop. I'm no, talking no, about the founder I, no. of goop. I kept. I, I was thinking like her literally like. <laughs> I would watch that movie. I would. T- I don't think it would be a movie. That's the problem. <laughs> I will watch that harrowing documentary. Right. I will watch that. Yeah, I will watch that. Yeah, I will watch that think piece on sixty minutes. <laughs> and then watch all of a sudden our our, our podcast get a billion subscribers. Right. Going, oh, I also I, I love true crime podcasts. And then realize no, it's just two guys talking about pop culture. Yeah, talk, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, it has to take them thirteen minutes to get to the start of the podcast. Yeah. Okay. You know, right. Thirteen minute long preamble first. It's a it's a hell of a cold open. Okay. So I like to think so. Yeah. So all right. So basically, what live we're from talk New about, York. Um, <laughs> No, so basically what we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk yes. about uh, three things. We're going to talk about, uh, we've been just for a while, it's already May. It is. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But three things that we, three things that each of us liked from the year 2018. Yes. Of um, which, uh, thinking about it, there was a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about um, some superhero um, characters. Yes. And then we're going to talk about a little movie that Gwyneth Paltrow was, was in recently. Mm-hmm. Which is Avengers Endgame. Yes. Which I'm pretty sure is the... I feel like that's the only movie in theaters right now. Sometimes I feel like it is. And it's just like, again, Pikachu, Land is coming in soon. Yeah, these other intellectual property, big, bigger, blockbuster movies. But it's just like, I guess if you're someone like me, and you want something a little more adult. Yeah. Kind of out of luck. Kind of. Though, we did see Us. We just got back from Us tonight. Yeah. Do you want to talk about Us a little bit? Because you just saw it. Oh, yeah, we we talk about Us a little bit. Yeah. Um, Let's start with that, because... Uh, Jordan Peele's Last came out earlier this year, and that was kind of like one of the bigger things in movies before Endgame kind of, you know, yeah, cleared the lane and went coast to coast of the court. But, bought uh, the lane. Yeah, yeah. It purchased the road, Toby. It, it bought the arena, basically. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, so Jordan Peele's got Get Out, he's got Us, and then of course he has the, um, the new, uh, Twilight Zone Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, series back on, uh, ABC, uh, no, sorry, CBS Access. Mm. Um, so you just got back from us, so what did you think of it? Uh, I thought... It's not real quick, the, the movie's been out for like two months now. Yeah, so, so like, we'll, we'll keep this fuck brief. Fuck you spoilers. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, for real. We'll keep it brief and fuck you spoilers, but go ahead. Um, no, uh, incredibly well acted. Because I, uh, from what I was understanding at the beginning, and I don't know, I, I don't think it's fair necessarily to assume because Get Out was his big break yeah. that every single film that comes out is going to have a social commentary or a political commentary. But from what where I was sitting, I was taking it very much as a commentary on um, American, uh, not capitalism, but like the keeping up with the Joneses, the idea where it's like, well, I need to have this because this guy has this. He was talking about the boat. He was talking about the generator and the backup generator and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So while, you know, his house is being invaded and his wife is freaking out because of all these flashbacks she's having, you know, he's sitting there like, well, okay, yeah, but, you know, if we had a backup generator like the neighbors. And so then you have the idea of, like, the shadow people, uh, as they called themselves earlier, the you know, the girl in her shadow. Um, they were talking about, you know, well, you had this prince and we had, you know, nothing and, and you were eating this great food and we had to eat raw rabbits. Um, mm-hmm. but then as the movie went on, I, I, I lost that a little bit cause I'm not sure if that's what he was going for. I want to know your takeaway because we haven't talked about us. No, we, well, we, we couldn't have because we couldn't just, have, that's true. No, for me, it, I think it is about American capitalism. Mm-hmm. Um, because for me, the, the, 
there's two big things about us kind of not solving the story, but kind of understanding the story. Where it's the beginning, where little Adelaide is watching the TV and she says, "Hands across, hands, hands across America." Yeah. And that was the thing that Ray, the Reagan administration did in the, in the mid '80s to kind of help combat um, homelessness and hunger and things like that. And it didn't really work well. It was one of those things that the Reagan administration did, where it's like, "Hey, we're doing something." It's just not. Yeah. Do anything. Yeah, it's, it's the thing with the AIDS epidemic where it's just like, oh, that's really terrible. But you guys didn't do shit. You let people die. Right. And it's yeah. the same thing with this. So if you kind of go from there, okay, it's very much about the shadow people and uh, Adelaide Shadow being like the downtrodden, like the like the lesser, the lesser, the downtrodden, the lesser are are down here. We want to be up there, and and if one of them does get up there, mm. they want to do everything in their power to make sure they're not down there anymore. Right. It's kind of the same thing. It's kind of like how America kind of treats things we don't want to talk about. How we don't talk about like gun control. How we don't talk about mental health. How we don't talk about racism. It's like like we we have all these issues in this country, but we don't want to talk about them because we're the greatest country ever, quote unquote. Right. We're the most powerful, richest, and everything's great. People want to come here, and it's like well, and and it's like we we don't even want people to come here anymore. Um, mm-hmm. we don't want to be leaders of the, of the world anymore. So it's like, it's, 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 a, homelessness a, is embarrassing. We try to kind of, you know, right. That and not even homelessness, and... but what happens like when veterans come home, well, veteran, we love the veterans. Well, do we? Because we don't take care of them when they come home. But I have so many shirts that say I love veterans. I got, look, look at my bumper stickers. Yeah, the bumpers, or, or yeah. it's just like, oh, get abortion. Well, what about the kids who are homeless and don't have any one parent? Oh, we don't care about them. It's like, so what are we talking about? It's, it's stuff right. like that. Okay. I feel like, and that's kind of a larger issue, but I feel like it's stuff like that that Peel is kind of talking about with like, um, with kind of using hands ac- hands across America as a jettison point mm. for this, and I think the biggest question, I think the biggest quote in the whole movie is is when uh, Red the Shadow says we're Americans. Oh yeah, that's that. The second I heard that, I'm yeah. like, okay, this this is bigger. Yeah, this isn't just a home invasion. No, movie no, no. Yeah, I, I remember when movie. I first saw it, it sounded like okay, that's a weird line. And then like as the movie kind of progresses, and I think back to um the beginning and kind of see all the different clues that Peel's kind of peppered in. It's like, oh no, that, that's kind of the key of the whole movie. Right, yeah. Where it's like, we're Americans. We want, again, kind of what you said, like, we want to keep up with the Jones as well. We want all these nice things as well. Like, not everyone can do that. Like, the American dream is a dream. Like, we, we all want the American dream, but it's not, not everyone can attain it. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, there's the ending where we find out that the Adelaide we've been following is actually the Shadow Girl yep. who switched out with the real one. Mm-hmm. And then the real one wants to get her place back and then she's killed. So, it's, it's, it's interesting how we see, like, the, again, it's the Shadow, it's the one, it's the Shadow who was down in, down there in, in the beginning. Yes switches out and then is going on this murderous spree to make sure like she doesn't go back down there because she doesn't want to right and and because you know she knows how hard that is so it's, again it's the same thing for a lot of people where it's like oh i've been poor before. i would never want to be poor again right and it's like well and this right this almost reminds me of something like um i was just um the bill simmons podcast and he had uh oh god they're talking about Nip- uh, nipsey hustle i forget who the other people were but they're talking about nipsey hustle and like two of the commentators talk about how Two of the guest commentators who are, who are black commentators and writers and uh, of that nature. They're talking about like how, in like in America, like if you're if you're a black millionaire or if you're someone really prominent as a minority, you're almost expected, and it's not even expected, but it's almost like it's the right thing to do to help people that you can bring up with you. Mm. And I don't know if that's the case for white. I would say no, right? Because again, you can see everything that's kind of going on in our country yeah. right now. Um, where it's just like, yeah, I'm just gonna make as much money as I, po- as I possibly can and fuck everyone else. Right. But it's just like, and, and I feel like for minorities, it feels like, no, no, I made as much money. Let me go help the community. Let me right. go take care of my parents. Let me go help my friends. Let me go do all this, and so they can kind of come over with me. Like I made it, and it's my turn to kind of 
but let me give back. Yeah. Um, and I find it, and this, and us is almost the antithesis of that, where it's just like, and again, this, the interesting thing about the, uh, about us is, it's a black family, but it's not about race. Right. Like, Get Out is about an interracial Very couple. Much. yeah. And that's, in an interracial couple, and what happens when you're in, what, and I've been in that situation myself as well, where it's like, what happens when you meet that family, and they're kind of fetishized, oh, he's black. Yeah. Uh, and it's the only thing they can think it's of. It's the only thing they can yeah. think of. This is like, no, we're just following a family mm-hmm. who... Is middle class, not as rich as, or not as well off as like the uh, Emily uh, Elizabeth Moss's family, mm. you know, get give up the Joneses, like you said. But it's like they're doing pretty well, yeah. and, and they do. They have and, a summer home. They have a summer home. Like, yeah, they go to the beach <laughs> and all that stuff. And again, uh, Lupita Nyong'o Adelaide does not want to go back to where she came from. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought, yeah, it's a really interesting commentary from that point of view. I always, I, I feel like. Because like you said, and I agree with you, it's like like you can kind of get that in the beginning, and then kind of you kind of lose that thread where it becomes more it, like us is very much more of a horror film than Get Out is. Get Out is more of a thriller. Yeah, and that that's more of us a streamlining social commentary. I feel like us is playing like with a lot of themes, mm-hmm. and it's a little bit messy, but that's not to its detriment. It, it's it's Mm-mm, it's it's no. yeah. It, it's, it's I thought it was a I thought I was. Kept on the edge of my seat. Yeah, you know, yeah. There were, there were tense moments. Yeah, and... no, for sure. And it's like, I remember at first I was like, oh, man, it's kind of messy. It's not as good as, as us. But it's like, I the more I kind of sat and the more I thought about it, the more I appreciated it. I was like, no, it, it is messy. But I feel like the messiness is kind of the point. I feel mm. like the messiness is a, is it's a feature, not a bug. It's a strength, not a weakness. Yeah. Um. Well edited. Uh, the editing is amazing. Yeah. Um. And like you said, like the actor, like Lupita Nyong'o is... Every she's every, dying at eleven in this one. Yeah, no, uh, but I I think that her the the ending the the reveal. Yeah. Um, I think because I and I told you this and this was really the only nitpick that I had about the movie because frankly I I I've heard a lot of people when the movie first came out talking about like immediately comparing it to Get Out. And yeah. and saying like, well, you know, he, he made this, so he it's his now responsibility to continuously say this much with every movie he makes, and which is a dumb. Notion. Well, no, it's like it's it's that's putting an insane amount of pressure. Not only like that, on... it's, it's putting someone who we who we've seen has a lot of talent, who has a unique vision to create such interesting worlds and commentary. You want to put them in a box. Yeah. And it's like, don't do that. Let him, let him do what he like. If he wants to talk about these things, let him talk about. Them. If it lands or not, that's what's for us to judge. But don't be like, oh, well, he did this again. He's got to do this. Like, no, he doesn't. Like, just let no, him create the story. Yeah. But so that's why, like, I appreciated the fact that there were moments that was like, okay, I, you know, this is this is straight horror. Yeah. There and and there's a lot of disturbing elements to it. And like the doppelganger family was was really really creepy. Toby. Yeah. No. Um, um, yeah, they were. But uh, just a testament to, like, all the acting was just really good. Yeah. Um, but the end where it reveals young Adelaide switching places and kind of – I felt that was just a little too handholdy mm-hmm. because I felt um, Lapita's acting was so good and sold so much of that. I was already kind of picking up pieces, like, when she was strangling the, the, the real Adelaide, I guess. Yeah. Um, and she kind of had that laugh. I was thinking, like, okay, this is a movie about doppelgangers. Who switched places? Who's the real something or other? Or is it, like, a disease where it's contagious and, like, she caught it? So there were... 
I felt there was a way to wrap it up where you relied more on her mm-hmm. because you have one of the most expressive and emotive actresses in Hollywood yeah. playing two roles that are very similar. She's able to play that twisted, psychotic horrorness. Yeah. And I felt like the 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 elongated flashbacks, especially because, you know, if you watch it again a second time, the dance scene where they're fighting and then it's intercut with yeah. the flashbacks of the dance, that tells you it right there. That tells you it right, right there. That's and again, all it is. And yeah, that's all it is. And also even, like, yeah, that, I, was that when it clicked in for you or, is it a little, or did you get it sooner? Or? Uh, well, it that's when it, it, like, a seed was planted in my right, head. Right, right. And then it was when she was strangling that I'm like, okay, there is definitely something up. I'm pretty sure that they switched places okay. when she was young. And then at the end, it kind of seemed like, oh, yeah, for everyone who didn't get it, here's the answer. Right, shit. right. Um, but honestly, like the the exchange with her son at the end, where she just kind of looks at him and like that tiny smile that he warily puts the mask over his face. Yeah. Is enough. Oh no, yeah, that's a great that's a great walk walk. Away. It's a great ending. Yeah. But like, there's and and I think there's so many tiny details that he put in to get out that audiences had to watch it a second, third, fourth time mm-hmm. to pick up on. And I felt like if you gave the audience, if you didn't give them that flashback scene at the end, they would have picked up on it. Yeah. I think he needed to continue to trust his audience with that. Okay, yeah, and there's also even a little clues in before. Like I love when, like, when the parents are in the um, with the therapist, and the mom yeah. says straight up, "I want my daughter back." Yeah, like that's literal. <laughs> right, or even like the you know. She she has PTSD. I just wanted to talk again. Encourage her to dance. Like I feel like watching. But she it, doesn't talk because they don't. The shadow people don't talk. Like if you didn't, if you just had that end mm-hmm. with her kind of smiling. Obviously, with all the like, if you just got rid of the flashback and you had people go back and watch it twice. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. all of his movies encourage anyway. I think. Yeah, and I, and I feel like this one felt like a little. It felt a little bit too cute to a degree, where it's just like I'm gonna put all these Easter eggs in here. You're gonna have to watch them all and, get, and do like the shiny thing. Where it felt like in Get Out, it felt very much more natural. Where it felt well, like, it felt like they were in the script too, instead of like on the day. Or... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's Whereas like, like here on the day, maybe he's like while he's set dressing. You know, he's like, let's just toss this in. Right. Whereas everything, in, like all the Easter eggs and Get Out, as you call them Easter eggs, mm-hmm. were either part of a plot, yeah. part of character building, part of the world building. Right, right. Um, and you know, like certain, you, like certain you, audiences would pick things up right, at certain right. times. Like if you see, if you if you understand it's just the only thing, you'll get this about the family. Right. Or if you get like the the uh, the deer the deer things, like running over the deer and calling um and Bradley Whitmore calling them uh, young buck, you'll you'll get that. Right. Towards the end, yeah, this felt like. I'm gonna put this in there. I'm gonna put this in there. I'm gonna put this in there. Mm-hmm. And you're gonna have to figure it out and put the puzzle together. And it's gonna be great. It's gonna be like Stanley Kubrick and Shining. Like, okay, man. Right. Again, not a bad thing, but it felt more. It felt more natural in Get Out as opposed yeah. to like you kind of settled. All right, it's like all right, I got this and this. And this. What's the entry sheet? Oh, that's what it is. Okay, I got right. enough. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of. I got enough for the checkpoints. But again, if this was if 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 Jordan Peele today of Key and Peele fame, this was his first movie. I think we would all be like. Holy shit! Yeah, that's <laughs> so, how we're that's how we were able to get out. Yeah, when we saw this, I was like, holy shit! This is holy shit! Crit. From the first trailer, we were like, who? Yeah, yeah, who did this? Same, same, same cat, same really? Guy? Oh, all right, all right. Yeah, we'll buy some tickets. Um, so yeah, I, I, I thought it was a very good horror movie. Yeah. So, and I'll definitely be watching it again, and I'll be definitely purchasing it on physical, uh, uh, media, media. Attaboy.
Uh, I swear, I, I know words, Gwyneth. I swear I do. So 2008. Um, Teen. Please don't send me back to 2018. No, 2018. Toby. No, thank you. Thank oh. I, for, I forgot the I forgot the one there. Uh, <laughs> I, I I love the beginning of the MCU as much as the next guy, but I don't want to go all the way back and relive it. I don't want that. <laughs> don't make me do it. I was uh, a senior in high school, Toby. Don't make me do it. Oh, uh, that's a rough beat. Yeah. Yeah. No, so 2018, and yeah, we I wanted to talk about. Because originally, like, I think the last few years we did, we did, like, a top ten before. Mm. And now we're just, it's a little later now. To get, we're recording this in May. Oh, shit. I, I buried the lead. We're recording this on Steve's birthday today. Hey! This is my gift. Yes. I was I was going to I was gonna sing the um, Happy Birthday, Mr. President song, but, I mean. But I'm he's just, he's, he's wearing too many clothes. I'm wearing too many clothes. I'm not in a cake. And, honestly, it's my dream to pop out of a cake one day. And you know what? I really want to pop out a cake. Honestly, like, you have all of this year, man. I will let my birthday kind of... <laughs> we can celebrate all year round until you find a giant cake. Uh, So, yeah, recording since his birthday. Yes. So, yeah, I just, I just want to just talk about, like, maybe three things, like a pop culture events, whatever, people, what have you, of 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess I'll go first. Please do, because I have to narrow mine down. Okay. Which is weird, because I thought I couldn't... Because I was... I did this earlier, back in January, yeah, and yeah. I couldn't come up with ten. Right. And now I'm like, fuck, I have to narrow it down to three? <laughs> so let me... I'll listen, I swear. Okay, so uh, the first thing I'll mention is... And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going in any order, but the first thing I'll mention is um, women directors in film. Mm. Especially, and this is something I ranted about, I think, on this podcast and other podcasts I do with another friend of mine, where especially because we talk about awards season and that one, but it's, it's, it's just good. And this kind of feeds into 2019 as well, because some of my favorite TV is helmed or centered around women. Mm. And it's like, I just want more women to have these spaces because they're telling incredible stories yeah. when they have the capacity, when they have the system, when they have the machine, when they have the space to do so. And in 2018, we had stuff like uh Tamira Jenkins's private life. And her last movie before that was in 2007 with the savages with um, Philip Seymour Hoffman and Laura Linney. Mm. And I said, ever since then, I will trade all of my friends for another Tamir Jenkins movie. I love you all. You're all great people. But Thank I want you. a Tamir Jenkins movie. Well, the good news is you didn't have to because one just happened. That's true. That's true. I will still make the trade either way. No, uh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> but I got a Tamir Jenkins movie anyway, Private Life, with uh, Catherine Hahn and Paul Giamatti. Where they're a couple who are trying to conceive and they're having trouble doing so, so they're going through all these different things and they get a surrogate with through. Oh, the, okay, their yeah, I've seen yeah, the yeah, yeah. It's on Netflix yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's it's. Oh my god, it's like some of the best writing of the year in that movie. It's it's an incredible movie. Sor- sorrow, hilarious. Um, I mean, especially you know Giamatti and Catherine Hahn. That's going to be hilarious. Great. But it, it's just a really soulful movie. So you had that. You had Deborah Granick. Um, Deborah Granick's uh, Leave No Trace, which is in my top ten. Both those, both these movies were in my top ten. Uh, Deborah Granick, direct, uh, she directed uh, her last feature narrative film was uh, Winter's Bone. Oh! The one that, you know, premiered, uh, the one that kind of launched Jennifer Lawrence mm-hmm. on the main stage. And, of course, Jennifer Lawrence went on to make a, a number of films, and then Deborah Granick is like, hey, where's Deborah Granick been at? Where has she been at? And she finally came out with this movie again. So it's been like, it was, 18, it was eight years later. Mm-hmm. She's going to make another film, and of course she knocks it out of the park as well. So there's that. There's, um, uh, oh my god, I, 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 there's uh, Lynn Ramsey, who did uh, You're Never Really Here, with mm. um, Joaquin Phoenix, where he mm. plays a hitman, a violent hitman, 
but who's very devastated. He's he's a he's a war veteran who has PTSD, and so he's a hitman who's devastated by the work he does. And he and he hired and he's hired to rescue a young girl who kind of saves him. And it's it, it might have been the best directed in general, not just last year, but over the past couple years, honestly. Damn. And and this is stuff that I talked about before, and other people talked about before, but it's like because the way she films that movie. Because like and a number of a number of critics and like think pieces talk about it as well, but like it's almost like the taxi driver of this generation. Oh wow, that's very high praise. Yeah, and it, it's well deserved, and then some. And she films it in a way where it's incredibly violent, but you don't see the violence. I good, I like that. Yeah, like it, she, it's it's a, almost a deconstruction of that re, kind of revenge thriller because at, um when Walking Phoenix breaks into like this I think a brothel to kill like all the other people in there. It, it does this thing where it cuts to the security cameras. And you just oh, kind of see him okay. walking through the hallways. You nice. hear that sound. You kind of you hear him approach people. You kind of see him approaching from the corner, but you don't see the violence. Because mm. you don't need to. Right. You already see how much the violence devastates this person so much to the degree that it has already. And just kind of seeing that is like, that's... It's something so simple, but it's so brilliant at the same time. And I'm sure it's not easy to... Do. No. Like, I'm sure it would be a lot easier to be like hire a, a fight choreographer. Oh, yeah. And especially considering all the stuff that we've seen lately, you know, the John Wick stuff and the, uh, mm. the, 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 TV, the Marvel TV shows. Like, how kind of, like, the, the cinematic aesthetic of almost fetishizing a fight scene these days mm. is very much... You can do an elaborate fight scene now. Yeah. And people will be like, oh, okay, they got the trainer here, they got the choreographer, they this, this, and this. It's a one shot. Like, all They're that. They're able scene. to swap out stunt doubles right, for actors. Right. Yeah, like, real quick and, and make it. Yeah, yeah. you could do all that. But the show, the not show the violence is even more powerful. Yeah. In in those regards. And it, and again, Walking Phoenix has been maybe one of the top three actors of the, of the past couple of years. And this is right up there with that. Um, and then. This is. I think this is the first time I'm actually announcing what my favorite film of the 2018 is. Oh, Gwyneth. <laughs> we got a hot scoop. Breaking news. <laughs> extra, extra. Read all about it. Toby's favorite film of 2018 is. Chloe Zhao's the writer. It, it's it's not only my favorite film of 2018. It's my favorite film of the past couple of years. I love this movie more than I love more most people. Like I. Okay. I'm in love with this movie. It's basically about... It's almost like a docudrama. It's, a, it's, just a, it's based on a real story about a rodeo cowboy in... Oh, fuck. Where's he from? I want to say one of the Dakotas, I believe. Okay. Um, don't quote me. I'll, I'll look it up. But um, it's a rodeo cowboy who sustains a horrible injury um, when he's riding a bull and the bull right. injures him. Um, he has a plate in his head. He can't... He, he, he is not supposed to rodeo anymore or he will eventually die. But in that environment, in that lifestyle, that's all he knows. Right. That's all he thinks he can do. It's Chekhov's bull. Yeah, basically. And and it's like, starts to tame like bulls and horses. He kind of does that thing. But it's like, no, I'm, I'm a rodeo. I'm a rodeo rider. Mm. That's what I'm going to do. So he, 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 he starts to get back into it again. Hmm. And it's just an incredible, soulful, poetic look. And this is this is what I'm getting getting to with, with all these women, but I want to talk about right a little bit more. But it's very much a deconstruction of like the Western, where it's just mm-hmm. like you have someone who's damaged. We see how they're damaged physically and emotionally, and it really right. delves into that. And it shows like he's also a really good person in general. Like he um, he has like he has like a tense relationship with his father. His father can't stop gambling, and, he, and they're about to lose their house, so he picks up a job to help help things out here and there. Um, he knows he's not supposed to. 
you know, he's not supposed to um do anything with rodeo, but he can't help. That's what he does. That's what right. he is. That's that. That'll be like that'll be like telling someone telling us, hey, you can't write anymore, or you will die. And it's like, well, oh, oh, yeah, that would suck. Yeah, and it's like, oh, yeah, it'll suck. But it's like, I'm a writer. Right. I'm gonna write. I I have to write to some degree. Um, but it it really just delves into it, again. There's not much of a plot, and it's more it's heavily more story. It's a gorgeous film too, man. Like okay. the like the magic hour vistas looking over mm. the plains. It's it's I can't speak enough of how how beautiful like the color palette is the framing, um and everything. There's just one scene at a, around a fireplace where it blatantly abuses the show don't tell rule of thumb. Where it's 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 it's, it's like four cowboys sitting around a fireplace and they're just telling stories with each other and it's it's probably one of the best scenes I've seen in a long time. Nice. Where it's just you see you you get to tell who these characters are and see who these characters are just from them telling stories, hmm. just them hanging out, just them trying to. There's another cowboy, a really a famous within their circles cowboy who got injured and um uh the main character bro uh, uh Brady he goes visit him every once in a while. You guys goes visit him during uh, physical therapy. Mm. And they talk about him like in these house, like, oh man, he was the best. Like if he didn't get injured, he would have gone like all the way. And they're just telling stories about that. They say a prayer, they're playing the guitar. It's like this it's just hanging out. Nice. But it feels so lived in and it feels so real and humanistic that it, it just it, I remember just sitting there, I was just my jaw was on the ground. I was just it was just captivated. But the main thing is I love how these women are in these spaces that are traditionally not for women. Whereas like it's right. the, it's the western movie, it's the revenge thriller, it's the survivalist movie, it's um it's it's a it's it's a dra- it's a comedy drama. I mean you know women can work work with that, but for the most part it's kind of all of those movies have been held by men. So mm-hmm. when you kind of look at it from a female perspective, they can deconstruct it from a male perspective like what all these is, what all these things do, and then build them up in a way that you're like it's kind of a breath of fresh air. Like yeah. like um. There's one scene in um, in Private Life where the where uh, Paul Giamatti and Catherine Hahn they're getting a house their house together for uh, the social service worker to come in and kind of interview and expect them like are you actually ready are you actually okay to to be a parent of a child and all that stuff and um, they have this painting this inappropriate this risque painting that they're thinking of taking down as and, we all do as we all do and paul Giamatti's like hey baby should we take this paint should we take this painting now and Catherine hahn stomps in not wearing any pants or underwear she's cleaning the bathroom and she has a top on she's just she's, she's naked on the waist down and she's like i don't give a shit we should keep the paint off if they don't like us because of this then we shouldn't have it at all like we should be who we are and yeah. it's played straight, and it makes it even funnier. <laughs> it's incredible. Or this nice. So there's that scene, and there's a scene in um in a Leave No Trace, where um towards the end, it's about Ben Foster, who again he's a he's a war veteran. He has PTSD as well, and he he, he likes to live off the grid. He does not live like the live off people. He can't he can't do that. Mm. So, so he has his young daughter, um, with him. And then um, they get found out, and they get put into different homes where it's like, hey, you can live here, you can work off land and all that stuff. And he keeps wanting to, oh, we got to leave. We got to get out of here. We got to go back to the land and do our own thing. Right. And then she realizes, oh, no, I actually like the world. I actually like interacting with people. I actually like living with people. And then um, they go to a trailer park, I think, in Oregon. And it's the same thing. Ben Foster's like, all right, well, I'm packed up. Let's go. And she's like, I don't want to go. I want to stay here. And she says a line, what's wrong with you is not what's wrong with me. Ah, and then, 
any other movie, Ben Foster would have flipped out. It would have been like, oh, fuck, you're, I don't care. I'm your father. We're doing this. I'm responsible for you. And he kind of, he, he's heartbroken, but he's like, okay, I will, I will leave and you, you can go on carrying your life because you didn't want to affect her anymore. Nice. And the way it's played off is just, it's so gripping. It's so beautiful to see a father understand, like, I am broken. I don't want my daughter to be up, to end up like I, I like am. Like a selfless kind right. of act. Right. It's for, very, for once. very much yeah. just so. And the way the part is very heartbreaking, but they also both, they both also know we can't be together anymore if I want to continue on growing as a person and you want to keep doing what you're doing. Mm. And, and again, like, in any other movie. Yeah. It wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have ended up that way, and even in um in um you you never you never really hear one of my favorite scenes is like um there's a home invasion, um after Joaquin Phoenix killed all the people in the brothel uh, some one of the gangsters just hires like some hitman to go kill um his live-in mom and kill kill him oh shit um and then Joaquin Phoenix uh, there to kill the mom at that point but uh, Joaquin Phoenix comes in he kills everybody and he asks uh what happened to mom yeah we killed her. And then the hitman is on the ki- is on the floor of his kitchen. He's dying. He's bleeding out, and he's crying. He's scared of dying. And then Joaquin Phoenix is there because his name is Joe. He lays down next to him, holds his hand, and starts singing to him. He starts singing him as he's dying because this is a character who is so affected by death it doesn't affect him anymore. He's mm. so damaged by it, and this is someone who throughout the movie he tries to commit suicide. Like he almost plays, he tries to commit suicide in various ways as well. Mm. So he knows how scary death is. So he understands, even though this person was hired to kill him and his mom, and they did kill his mom. Oh. He understands that I will kind, I will lay down next to you and kind of shepherd you on your way right to the next level. And again, I can't think of another movie in that genre that would do that. That would do that, yeah, because it would typically end with like a, a one-liner and a bullet to the head. Yeah, but like, I mean, at this point, it wouldn't even be the one-liner. It would just be like a bullet to the head, and it's like, oh, I'm going to walk on. And it's like, no, you actually took the time. It's like, I want to hold your hand. Mm. I want to sing to you. Make it, you're going to be okay. You're going to die, but you're going to be you're, right. you're going to be okay. I want to make sure you're going to be okay in, in this version of your life. So it's, it's just fascinating to see like women storytellers be in these spaces where, they, where they, they usually don't make these stories, and they make these stories in a way that it's such a breath, breath of fresh air. That's why I love The Babadook so much. Yeah. Where it's just like a horror film that really kind of takes in, takes in a time, like, grief is hard. Mm-hmm. And it hurts, and it's devastating. And it, does, it, it doesn't go away, but hopefully every day it gets easier for you to manage. Yeah. And like even seeing like like a horror film like that, like they kind of see these films being done by these women, by the by these storytellers, in a way that the men usually don't do. Maybe not even think about doing. It's such a fresh breath of, breath of fresh air that I just love it. Right. So. And but that's like it. It's incredible because it's just it 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 is it could be the same script. Yeah. But it's just that slight shift in perspective, and the whole story is it's it's almost different yeah because of just like okay here's my worldview in terms of how this would relate to revenge killers or horror movies or whatever yeah and you will you look at the difference between um uh gal gadot's wonder woman that's and, what i was and, about to yeah, bring up yeah we've woman, talked about that and then the difference between that and wonder and then justice league and how she's filmed how she's framed how she's portrayed how she's written. How, how she's, she's written. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and it's and it's and it is different from film to film mm-hmm. because one's done by Patty Jenkins, one's by Zack Snyder, and it's like you can really tell like, oh, this is a woman mm-hmm. 
to kind of look up to, who's going to help save you, who's going to do the right thing, and here's kind of a woman to ogle at. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah. So that was that was my first one. That was a long that was a long piece, but that was my first one for 2018. Cool. I'll just follow that up. <laughs> um, I will say right now, first of all, that was very captivating to listen to. And I'm actually not like I'm being very sincere. Um, I learned a lot, and now I have more movies to put on my list. Um, Gwyneth, if you were expecting this whole podcast, both sides, to be as uh, intellectual and highbrow, um, you are sorely mistaken. And you can pause. I'll 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 do what most podcasters do and uh, put a put a timestamp in the code. <laughs> um, in the description, um, because I and and I I man Toby, how do I? I'm gonna talk about uh, before sir, lean into it. Let's do it. All right, I'm I want to. One of my favorite things from last year was a uh, a show on Netflix called Agretzuko. Have oh! you seen Agretzuko? No, I know of it though. Okay, so Agretzuko is from S- Sanria. Which is yeah, the yeah. same company that makes Hello Kitty. Yes. Um, and all of her little affiliates. Um, and and so it, it, it takes this very cutesy Japanese style that's very Hello Kitty, very kid-friendly looking. And the main character is a red panda. Red panda. Mm-hmm. And um, 20-something young woman in Japan who works an office job and... Is, is constantly belittled by her boss, who's literally p- played by a pig, um, and the boss's sidekick, who's literally played by a weasel, and it's fantastic. <laughs> um, and, and basically what the... After, after a long day of putting on a happy face and putting on a cute face and working really hard, probably harder than she should have, um, she lets off steam and gets out her aggressions by going to karaoke cafes by herself and screaming the most heavy metal, like, violent metal that she possibly can find. And it's so delightful in every way. And I, I, uh, see, see, I feel like you wrote yours down. I did yours, it. I know, that's what bothers me even more. Because <laughs> I'm like, I like this cartoon. And you're like, I, uh, anyway, so... No, but the thing is, and I don't want to. I don't want to step on. I don't want to step on. Please things. do. I'm not, <laughs> no, I, 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 I'm aware of this show, and yes. I, and I, I wasn't aware of how popular it was. Yeah. Until a while, it is. I just, I, I remember seeing like some of the t-shirts in the merch. And I'm like, oh, okay, what is this? It's a thing on Netflix. I heard it may not be that good. Mm. No, but I, I heard it's like, oh no, it, it is actually. It looks much better than what you think it is. Because what it does, which I think is, it's very interesting because it. It was it was obviously made in Japan and written for a Japanese audience, yeah. but then it can't you know Netflix is like we'll get the dub rights, um, but I like how it's very it it take it uses it, it's a little BoJack in that way where it takes these cutesy anthropomorphic animals that we have certain expectations for and uses them to put society under a microscope mm-hmm. because the whole the whole of Agretzuko is. Um, how women should behave, how women are treated, mm-hmm. um, how how women should be appreciative of the work that they have, and how really you know they should put in the work because they should be lucky to have a job in the first place. Um, 
how you know it it plays with the trope of you know women versus woman um it plays with the idea of like you know here's there's one character a, a doe she's a doe like a a, a a female deer and she <laughs> um she's the overly cutesy one who she's always on social media and she's always taking pictures, you know, she's taking these perfect Snapchat pictures of her parfaits and, and the boss loves her. And, and Agretzico's just like, well, what, why her name's Retzico. I have to remember this. Retzico. Mm -hmm. yeah, Gretz, it, it's a pun. Yes. I'm just reminding myself. More. <laughs> um, but um, Retzico is just like, I don't understand. How come I'm always saddled with all this work and she's, you know, sucking up to the boss and, and not getting any work? Why, why can't he see through her fakeness? Why can't she, you know, why doesn't she have more respect for herself? And there's this really eye-opening episode where finally uh, the doe invites, I can't remember the name, invites her out to breakfast. And she kind of drops the facade a little bit. And she's like, look, man, I'm doing what I can to avoid all of your shit so I can have a decent life. So I don't have to run away and scream heavy metal because I'm at peace with with the life that I've made. Yeah, it really sucks that I have to suck up to the boss. But what's my alternative? And it's this really and then and then there's these two high level women who work in the same office building and and Retsuko's just like super intimidated by him, really wants to be like them. And so typically in, a, in any other show, they would be like, you know, looking down like, oh, well, you'll never get to my level. But here, you know, they 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 have like this power strut that they do when they walk past Retsuko's office. And then the second they walk past the window, they drop it and they're like, oh, that really fucking hurts my legs to walk like that. <laughs> I really don't like you. Can't we just walk like, can't we just slouch? No, we can't slouch. We have to put on this performance so that other women look up to us. Um, but then that, you know, they form like this weird friendship and it's, ah, oh, it's, it's so good. They go out singing metal together. It's great. It's, it's a great show, um, that, that looks at a 20 something woman in the workplace, uh, in a way that no other show really can because it draws you in with like these cutesy little things and then really hits you hard with the, with these truth bombs and these emotions and these feelings and these, these perspectives, um, basically about how, how frustrating it is to, to choose which direction you're going to take as a single 20 something who has all these expectations put on her, even from friends, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's episodes that deal with, you know, a friend that she had in college who, she she started off kind of like her own basically like an etsy store and she's like i'm gonna open up a brick and mortar store and i'm gonna have all this stuff and you should come work for me so that you can leave that desk job behind but then she realizes like okay this girl is crashing on couches she's pursuing her dream yeah. but she doesn't have any resources to do that because she's 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 living too much day to day instead of having a plan. And so it's it's this weird like, yeah, you can do this, but this isn't that doesn't automatically mean it's the healthiest way to live. Sometimes you do have to work an office job so that you can pursue your dream. Um there's it, it tackles romance, it tackles settling for someone who you're not really in love with but who society expects you to be with. Mm -hmm. Um and all from these characters who could easily fit onto plastic keychains and sold at the most kawaii Japanese store in the mall. Um, 
So that was about a fraction of how long you took. <laughs> so, but anyway, Agretzico, they have a, the whole first season is on Netflix. How many episodes is the first season? Uh, I want to say 16, okay. maybe 12. Yeah. It's not terribly long. Okay. Um, and then there's a Christmas special, which is adorable and oh, then will cool. break your heart. <laughs> um, so, and then the second season is coming out, I want to say this summer okay. or beginning of next year. I'm stoked for it. I'm all in. It's like, it's like The Office without the Steve Carell comedy, <laughs> and more of the, more of the bitter comedy. Like, how, like, yeah. How know. did you how did you come across it? Um. Well, I heard about it a while ago because I remember I thought they they were talking about how Sanria was was making a new character mm-hmm. and that popped up, probably Twitter, Tumblr, I don't know. Um. But this was years ago. And they're like, so, but it's, they're like, so they're coming up with a new character, but it's not for kids. And then it showed like her crazy demon face with like the, yeah, the yeah, yeah. bullhorns. And it's like, oh, this is, this is hilarious. I think this is really funny and I, I'll, I'll keep tabs on it. And then it came to Netflix and I'm like, like years later. Yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah. And then I watch it and I'm like, oh no, this is good. <laughs> like, this isn't like just hilarious, which it is very funny. I know like I compared it to BoJack and it automatically people are like, oh, I've got PTSD from watching BoJack, but it's actually legitimately funny. Yeah. Okay. Agretzico. Yeah. That's my number one pick. Cool. Um, My second pick is... Throw me a softball, Toby. Like... <laughs> <laughs> My, uh, I, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to throw like 110. No, I know, I know, I know. Um, so my second, my second um pick from 2018 is Tom King and Mitch uh, Gerard's Mr. Miracle from DC Ooh, Comics. Oh, okay, all right. Which I there's there's a great writer I follow on social media, um, Abraham Reisman, who writes for New York Mag, New York Magazine, The Vulture, and he he, he writes about he does a lot of things about comics. He writes critically and analytically about comics. He did this great in- – he didn't do an interview with Steve Ditko because Steve Ditko won't talk anymore. doesn't do interviews. No, he doesn't. <laughs> so he did this He did this piece about him trying to get an interview with Steve Oh, Ditko. I read that. Yeah. yeah. I think I sent it to you. Or I, oh, I, probably. Yeah. <laughs> and it's really interesting. Yeah. Um, and he'll, and I think every month he'll do like these are, these are some of the comics you're reading this month and this one's kind of going on with that. And it's like – he lo- of course he loves superhero comics. He loves the big two and image and everything. But he goes like real deep in the bench. Nice. As far as like not just indie comics, but what's going on overseas, mm. what's going on the web, what's going on, um, like what's going on like as far as the creative, uh, uh, uh creator owned stuff, mm. uh, and not just from like Boom or or Image or Dynamite or any like he goes like real far deep into what's kind comics of comics with an X. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like, he'll do. He'll kill. He cover. He covers everything and he's amazing at it. So we so last year when he did like these are the top these are the best comics of 2018 mm. and he had a disclaimer right at the top Mr. Miracle is not on this list because it is these are I'm not doing singles I'm doing trades and collected editions so Mr. Miracle's not collected yet so it's not on here ah. so I, and I remember I tweeted at him immediately I'm not reading this list because Mr. Miracle's not on it because it's the best comic of 2018 and he's like. I know it is. <laughs> Fair. Like, yeah, but. <laughs> I know it is, but I could, I'm, I'm fucking, of course I'm going to read the list. But for my money, as far, if we're looking just as far as even the, just the big two or superhero comics, Mr. Miracle was the best comic book of 2018. Mm. Um, and I know you're reading it right now. I am reading it right now, yes. It was 12 issues. 
I remember it was one of those things. I don't. I think. I think it was a comic store. I just kind of. I kind of saw it. And I. I've. I've loved. Um, I love the New Gods from Jack. Joe. So Jack Kirby's New Gods. I, I love. I love the entire series. I love the New Gods. Um, why? Oh, New Genesis. Sorry. So the New Genesis Apocalypse. Um, the Fourth World. All that stuff. I, I loved it all. So as a kid. So like anytime I see a character like pop up anywhere, it's like, oh shit, there you go. There it is. There's Darkseid. Mm-hmm. There's Orion. There's uh, Big Barter, Mr. Miracle. So when and Tom King's kind of like the superstar of the moment, or he was then, now he's kind of like solidified at this point now. Yeah, I know he definitely is. Yeah. So like to kind of see him like, especially kind of the work he's been doing, like we did a Vision and then when he's doing a Batman right now. So I kind of see him doing a Mr. Miracle book. It's like, oh, okay, I'm definitely going to check that out. And even the premise is very much like it's 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 a mini series that is very deep that very much deconstructs and kind of plays around within the world that Kirby established like way back in the seventies and eighties, but it really kind of it, it puts it in a frame that's like very much of today in a modern setting. So it's like you have these big guys about these big ideas and these myths, and that's what they're about. But they live in Los Angeles and they're and they're right. having a, and and they're going to work and they have a job and stuff like that. So it's stuck in traffic and they're stuck they're stuck in traffic. They have bills to pay. They're hanging out. They have friends over. Um and um Mr. Miracle Scott Free is, you know, he's Mr. Miracle. He's a skate artist. He's the ultimate skate artist. Right. That's his name is a pun on that. Again, Scott Free. Dark hmm. side, like it's comic books. That's what it is. <laughs> that's what that's what we love about comic books. It's true. So the 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 the, the miniseries starts off right off the bat. What's the ultimate thing that Scott Free can, can escape from? Life itself. Yes. So he, he commits suicide while trying to escape life, and then it kind of goes on from there. Mm. Over the rest of his life is with Big Barda. They're married. They eventually have a kid. Um, they're trying to do all of that while still being new gods right. of the fourth world. So they're fighting an intergalactic war while trying to figure out, hey, what's for dinner? Or hey, who's watching their, our baby? Or hey, can you pick up? Can you can you do this and I'll do that? It's, it's very much almost like a a a um a, a drama about a couple, but the couple are based off of granular ideas. Yeah of our larger makeup of what we think of our, as our stories and mythology. And it's incredible. It, it, it really just delves in, like, the art by Mitch Garage. Uh, Gr- oh, yeah, no, it's really good. Yeah, and, like, even just, like, the static effects he has in when mm. any time, like, reality is messed with. Um, the paneling, because it's kind of using, like, the nine-grade panel, like, from Watchmen and right, other things yeah, of that yeah. nature. It's kind of using that paneling. Um, really just kind of playing with perspective mm. and what is real. Even for the gods and and for non gods, like what what is actually going on? Right. And again, it, it's very much like a a, a mundane thing where it's just like because of the new guys have the mother boxes, which allows them to come to go from the new from like the fourth world to our world, so their dimension, and our dimension. But they use it as like they use it an as, Alexa. They use it as an Alexa <laughs> mother box. Can you turn the shower on? Okay, the shower is on. Yeah. And like the, no water comes out. It's like so, is it on? so What's going are, are on? we am I clean? Am I clean? Yeah, yeah. So it's just like so even doing stuff like that, mm. um, or even when they go and like they again, Dark Side is one of my favorite characters, right? In in comics, just because like, the idea of him himself, Dark Side of Man, like that. That's yeah. what he is. Like so. This book, whatever, every panel, it'll just have like a black panel that says Dark Side is. That's it. Yes. yes. Like, like the story could be going on all of a sudden. There's like Dark Side is. That's it. And it's like, it's incredible. Like it, it, it builds him up. 
Yeah. And like Darkseid is one of those characters that, that kind of went through like some villain decay for a little bit because they kept using him because he's such a great villain. Mm-hmm. But then Grant Morrison and Final Crisis kind of fixed him and did some and then some other things from there. But this is like when all you see is just a panel of what this ultimate evil is the 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 god of tyranny. Mm. The ultimate evil, the ultimate uh, final boss of the DCU, Darkseid is. A black panel of white writing, Darkseid is. And then when you finally see him, it's like, oh shit, that's that's Darkseid. That's the Darkseid. That is Darkseid. And then even later on, where it's like they they go to have a meeting with Darkseid and Kalibek and Nassad to end the war, they bring him a veggie tray to eat. And they have his kid, like, that's Grandpa Darkseid. And he holds the baby, and the baby grabs his nose. It's, it's shit <laughs> like that. Where it's like, again, you have these menacing gods. You have these gods on a higher plane of existence than they, than, than us mere mortals who are supposed to worship and bestow ourselves to them. But they do veggie trays. Yeah. They're cracking jokes, and they're, and they're, and they're, they're trying to figure out what's on TV, or they're lounging around in the house, and they're trying to figure out, hey, do you have any wine? It's like, it's, it's, it's playing the two different sides of what comics, of what the grandeur cosmic scale of what comics can be, mm. and also the slice of life things that they, that comics can also be as well at the same time. Yeah. It's an incredible back and forth, and, and, it, and King and Gerard are able to play it off incredibly well. Mm. And just the way the way it progresses progresses is just phenomenal. How it ends is really captivating. So, like as a fan for myself who loves these characters, everyone from Desad to Kalibak to Big Barda to uh, Granny Goodness to uh, Light Ray to Orion, um, of course Darkseid and Mister Miracle himself, and even just the character of Stan Lee um, in there. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> God, Funky Flashman, great. Um, <laughs> Funky Flashman, when he's babysitting their, their, their son, Jacob, mm. they come up with a story of the Golden Retriever, which is basically a send-up of Galactus and Silver Surfer. And <laughs> even... and, and, and I, 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 Beautiful. Just, no, that's, that's good. It that's works good. so well. It's right there. <laughs> it, it Honestly. I'm going to get Silver Surfer and cheese planets for Galactus to eat, so you have a Golden Retriever. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> stuff. That's why I love comics. Yep. But... Um, Scott Free is, uh, because, uh, uh, Scott is, look, Funky Flash is telling the story of that he and Jacob, the little toddler, yeah, yeah, yeah. together, and Scott's like, he's a baby, he didn't come up with the story, and, and, and Funky Flash is like, of course he came up with the story, like, he comes up with the pictures, I come up with the words, like, we came up with the story together, and it's very much a send-up yeah, of yeah. the Marvel method between Lee and Kirby, and, you know, that's been, that's been debated from here and back on what actually, who did what, and what have you. But like even just kind of homaging that and giving reference to that and yeah. and and bestowing the story to that is very again it's so it's so referential within this medium of comic within the scope of what American comics is and that's what this is mm. it's it's a love letter to American comics from one of the great titans of the medium and Jack Kirby and what he was able to uh, create from from the ether of his mind where you, we yeah. we came from and it's just like. Again, it's it's a riveting book. I can't recommend it enough. And it's just again, if you don't know the characters that well, which I don't, right? Yeah. So I I feel like I feel like it still reads pretty well. I feel like it's I'm having be, fun reading it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it still would be enjoyable, even even while you progress a little further. Maybe you do understand what the dynamic of all these characters are, what's kind of going on here and there. Even if you don't have like the knowledge of these characters for the most part in the back of your head, which I do, but it's just like. Mm. I think I think it'll still be kind of fun to kind of read this story for the most part. So, no, Mister Mir- again, Mister Miracle was I think the best book of two thousand, the best comic book of two thousand eighteen. High praise. Um, 
Yeah, I'm still reading it. It's really good. Uh, at one point, we are going to have to acknowledge, like, like, yeah, no, Tom King is one of the best comic book writers in modern times. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like you don't, you don't do Vision, Mister Miracle, and then what a lot of people are saying is one of the all-time Batman runs. Just even now, he's he's a little over halfway done. Yeah. And everything they're doing with him, because I, you know, I listen to podcasts and I've been keeping up with them, uh, and people are like, it's gonna be really hard to go back to, you know, when when the slate is wiped clean and mm-hmm. the status quo is, you know, wiped away and yeah. and someone else takes over for Batman. Yeah, yeah. Because it's what Tom King is doing is essentially a deconstruction of the character while still maintaining the character to his absolute core. Yeah, and, and the Batman run is really kind of focusing, at least the first half, I, I kind of fell a little behind after the wedding. and A lot of people did, that's fine and fair. I, it's, it's a halfway point, and they kind of really hype that up, and then we're going to see the rest of the story kind of going on with Bane and the villain stuff and what have you, but um, it's very much a deconstruction of, and, and I, I'm, I'm using that, I think I'm using that, term a little bit too much but that's what he's that's what he's really good at he is yeah uh, as a writer but it's really much like focusing on what what makes bruce wayne happy yeah and taking that away from him and then see what happens yeah and and the later half after the wedding is a lot about um who bruce wayne is psychologically yeah because there's a lot of you know earlier in the run he doesn't say much at all right um, and when he does, he is confessing, you know, it, when, when he does talk, it, it's something that you pay attention to because he doesn't do it a whole lot. Right. Uh, in recent, in the most recent issue, I don't want to spoil anything, but he, he, he's, he's doing almost a majority of the talking throughout the entire issue and it's scary mm-hmm. and it's very, it's Oh, a, that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. a very scary you know, you take everything you love about superhero comics and everything you love about Batman and how he fights villains, and you make it unsettling. You make it anxious. Yeah. You make it. Uh, he's he's just he's really good at writing comics. The night janitor. You know. Yeah. So. Ah, <sighs> good, Mister Miracle. Yeah. Good stuff. Best comic of 2018. Yeah. Probably. I'll, I'm finishing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm. It's one of those things where it's like because I'm not at all familiar. I'm, I'm not a DC guy, and so the New Gods and and New Genesis and and the the X Pit. I'm learning all that. Yeah. It's like a it's like a spark notes of of the whole history of yeah, this kind of is, thing. because that 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 series, that story is very much hey you know the New Gods. Here, here you, you go. Yeah, you go. Yeah, you kind of go in like in the deep end, and if you don't, it's like well. You kind of yeah. have to figure out why you go on. So that's why I'm I'm going nice and slow with it, so I'm not missing anything, and I'm trying to remember remember names. Right. Um. So yeah, I'm going to go from one superhero thing to another superhero thing because the only and and and, and take your time with your third one because I need to come up with my third one okay. after this. I only knew about Agretzico and Spider-Man representation. In 2018. Wonderful. Because... I was hoping one of us would do this, yeah. It's it, it's the best... It was the best year to be a Spider-Man fan. Yeah. Because, first of all, we had, out of nowhere, um, Insomniac Games announced a couple years ago that they were just, oh yeah, we're just making a Spider-Man game. 
Is it tied to Homecoming? Is it a movie tie-in? No. Marvel said, hey, you guys, make your own Spider-Man story. Hey, you guys, huh? Us? Us, you say? <laughs> yeah, can you just make a Spider-Man game? Oh, cool. We're all fans. We know a lot of the lore. We're going to dig real deep with these villains and stories and kind of, is it okay? Oh, Marvel, is it okay if we kind of like create our own universe? Because we don't really want to follow traditional rules of like comics. And yeah, no, seriously, do whatever the fuck you want to do. <laughs> so what results is one of the freshest, most unique, most genuine Spider-Man Peter Parker stories in a very long time. Yeah. I remember after finishing it, I I was like, I, you know, I, 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 we both enjoyed Homecoming, I think. Yeah. And coming out of it, I had a couple of qualms, but I overall really dug it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Tom Holland's great and blah, blah, blah. But after finishing the game, it's like, I don't know if I want to go back <laughs> to this Spider-Man because this was, now, because I have a, a Spectacular Spider-Man, the the cartoon, Mm -hmm. for me, for a very long time, was my favorite Spider-Man. And then this, in the same year, it was topped twice because you had the Spider-Man game, which the the controls are tight. And and it's a a cliche in video games, but I'm going to say it. You felt like Spider-Man. The the swinging mechanics were great. Uh, The the graphics, seeing, you know, the sun setting in Manhattan was gorgeous. Um... The they they told the story of I was gonna say we got to talk about the story a little bit Peter and Otto's relationship there yeah. how how that was a mentorship that uh deteriorated and 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 trust was betrayed and uh the the character of Doc Ock in this game I never felt more connected to Doc Ock than in this story yeah um. Just because the way his mind was slipping, the way he was losing his his limbs because of uh, a, a disease of some sort, I can't remember. And the thing, and again, this is something this is something for you to play the game, but I just saw the movie assembled together on YouTube. Yes. But it's like it, it, the story of Doc about Octavius was just so gradual. It is. At first, I thought, oh, they're gonna save him for the next game. There's yeah, because, no way. Yeah, because you know, Spider-Man's doing all the Spider-Man, Peter Parker doing all these other things. He's got just Kingpin. There's right, Mr. Right. Negative that's coming into right. the picture. Osborne is doing some stuff here Something and there. Something shady. And like every once in a while, you get like an update, like oh, Otto's in the lab. He's doing this, this, this. And then like, oh, the Sinister Six coming around. And like the last, the last one of Sinister Six, Doc yep. Doc. And it's like yeah. the way it progresses, pro- yeah. progresses. It's like. You get like an update here and there. You'll go go visit him in the lab. He's doing this, that, mm. and it's like it's so. Like you said, it's almost like okay, they're kind of, they're doing like the Easter eggs, kind of set them up for the next movie. It's like, nah, man, you're getting him, you're getting him here. Yeah, but it and it's it's soul crushing because you see, you see him as this this fatherly figure, mm-hmm. which as we know for Peter Parker, those are very important for yeah. him. Um, but you see all of his motivations perfectly laid out. It's very Walter White almost in that regard. Where very, yeah, it very sets much him so. up as like this very sympathetic character who's doing this for the greater good, who's doing this, you know, because his health requires it. He's doing it because he cares about Peter. And slowly over time, you start to see him just lose his his sense of his his priorities and yeah. lose his sense of self for just. For stuff that that ultimately makes sense, yeah, um, which makes the fight, especially you know, 
again, this game came out last year. Spoilers for Spider-Man PS4. Time code in the description. I'm not doing those. No, I really fine. should stop <laughs> live <laughs> audience. <laughs> They're going to be scrambling looking for these time codes. Um, but, it, you know, at the end where Doc real like, you know, Doc reveals, like, I knew that you were, Spi- you know, Peter Parker yeah. was Spider-Man the whole time. And just the the frustration and the rage and the hurt in Peter Parker. By the way, the 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 acting in this game oh, was not. really good. Because um was it Loria Lethanol? He played Spider-Man? Yes. Yeah. Um, and he's done a lot of anime. He's he's a yeah. staple in the anime world. Like he's he's really good. He's at a really solid yeah. voice actor. And I know at one point he was supposed to be he did the pilot for a Spider-Man cartoon, and then they recast him. Oh, okay. And so someone else had... And so he was, like, super bummed, but then he was like, okay, I need this game. I need to be Spider-Man. <laughs> so it's cool that he got it. Um, and that his wife played Yuri. That's right! Which I thought was fun. Listen, I'm all about the captain. Oh, no, she's one of the best characters I, in the game. I love the captain. Lo- I, listen, and this is what I mentioned about his, as Endgame as well. I could watch it. I could watch an entire four-hour movie of them talking on the uh, talking on the rooftop. Oh yeah, completely, a thousand percent. Um, you, need a date, you need a date to the. You need a date to the uh, police ball. You got anything black and white? Uh... <laughs> Get back to you on that. Um, but Just great dynamic. Great dynamic. And what's good about the game, the way it's set up, is that you know, Spider, it 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 constantly. It plays on how busy and stressful Peter Parker's life has to be. You're not just playing a Spider-Man swinging around and, and saving people. You're also playing Peter Parker, who has to keep up with his internship at Autos. He has to help Aunt May at Feast. Uh, there's a ton of stuff that he has to do. Sometimes you're playing as Mary Jane. Um, yeah, it was just relationship with uh, Mary Jane as well. And how it starts off, they broke up, and they're slowly kind of having to... Like, I like how at the beginning, she's like, yeah, I know you're Spider-Man. But that's why we had to break up because you're. Oh god, let's see, let's see with her on the couch. Yeah. Fantastic. The one where she's like, "Did you just leave your clothes on my kitchen floor?" Uh, yeah, I'll go pick those up. <laughs> <laughs> but like, just their dynamic is so yeah. good. Um, I loved the Stan Lee cameo. I thought that was very genuine. I always loved you two together because he did. Yes. Um, but and and so just the ah, oh, I mean, I could go on about this game yeah. forever. Um, I still haven't played the DLC, but apparently Black Cat's in it. Yeah. And so I need to. Listen, because... My hands are tied. No, this, Black Cat's this, in it. this is this is a pro-Black Cat podcast. Yeah, that's very true, Gwyneth. If you are an anti-Black Cat Felicia Hardy person, then we, we'll get back to talking to Laura Dern. Yeah, it's fine. Um, Felicia Hardy was... She... She was she was one of my staples growing up. That She really helped me through puberty. Yeah, she, she taught us a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um... But, uh, yeah, so 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 you, we get this game that, again, really comes out of nowhere. No one, you know, there was no big headline about, you know, before the announcement maybe mm-hmm. a year or two ago. Yeah, yeah. And um, how it not only, it won Game of the Year awards, it, it wasn't just like, and that's not something you get from a superhero game or a, a game that comes from an established property anymore. You don't really get good ones. Yeah. Um, and so this coming out of nowhere and just being, it, knocking us out of the park. And Spider-Man fans for so long have been like, well, we have Spider-Man 2 for the GameCube and the <laughs> PS2. And and it's like, there's only so long it can cling to something like that and realize it's a okay game at best. Yeah. And now we have a game that's like, oh no, this is like, superhero games are going to try to be this. 
even in terms of storytelling. And so it, so to go from Spider-Man PS4, which has this incredible Peter Parker, this incredible story, um, the ending destroyed me. The ending's incredible. Um, yeah, the fact that they were allowed to do that, I guess. Because yeah. I thought, well, something's going to happen. There's going to be some twist and some miracle. Um, and that it wasn't, and it was very final. Yeah. And it was like... The well, miracle no, is, there's no miracle. There's, yeah. Um, oh, so good. Yeah. And and that's such a perfect Peter Parker moment, too, where it's it like, you know what to do, and he didn't know what to do. Oh, Toby's fucking yeah. great. So then to go from that and being like, well, that's it. I'm so... It's been so long since Spider-Man 2, the movie, and now we have this... I'm willing to wait another decade for something this great. But I didn't have to wait another decade, You didn't Toby. have to wait, you didn't have to wait until to, the end of the year. I had to wait maybe six months. Yeah. Because then we got Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. What's up, Danger? Which is my... It, 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 six months on the bracket, on the top spot, Spider-Man PS4, dethroned by Into the Spider-Verse as the best Spider-Man thing. And I've said this before in my other podcast, and I've said this just in general talking to everyone, it's the best superhero movie ever made. Yeah. I'll repeat it again. It's the best superhero movie ever made. I I, I, I would argue if I could. It's astonishing how good that movie is. Yeah. I... I, I, Even just on like a, on a basic level, because it was, it was a super a, surface level. Yeah, it's it, a phenomenal movie. It was, it was that one thing where people were talking, like the critics and the pundits and writers were talking about, like, oh, this is this is probably one of the best films of the year. They really hyping up, and you know how it is. Today's day and age, like, right. you have something up that much, it's gonna be disappointing. I can't think of another text or another example in any medium where it's just like it was hyped up this much and it beats expectations. It beat my expectations, right? Yeah. Because I remember the when they first announced it, they're like, we're making an animated Spider-Man movie. My first thought is the traditional, the, the way animated movies have looked since Toy Story, which is that very DreamWorks, kind of squishy, cartoony look to it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why are we doing this? This is a waste of everybody's time. And then the trailer hit, and it's like, all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, please be good. <laughs> because this is the most gorgeous thing I've ever seen. The animation... This movie revolutionizes Western animated movies more than any other movie I think since Toy Story. Probably. It the the animation is the different levels of texture that the animation has. Yeah, is insane. And and I I understand like a lot of people were like I don't like the frame rate. I don't like how things that are in the distance instead of looking fuzzy look like a 3D movie without the glasses on. Right. But you need to like like I'm an animation buff. And to look at, like, every... And I did this. I have a folder on my computer of, like, 40 still frames that I would pause at random. And each and every one of them are composed like a panel in a comic book. Yeah. There's enough room for a speech bubble without losing anything. The art is gorgeous. The lines are... are uh, the rendering alone, like... Must have... No, just reading about the rendering, they're like... It, yeah. It, it took, like... What did I say? It took, like, months, even just, like, two minutes down. Yeah. So they go from there, and this is like... <sighs> yeah, and that's the... Again, that is the surface that's level. That's surface level. You dive into the characterization, you dive into the representation, yeah. you dive into the comedy, you dive the into... Voice work, man. The voice The voice acting, the cast. Yeah. And how they, they work together so well, and how they emote so much. Um... The the oh, like I'm almost exhausted because I love this movie so much and there's so much that I could talk about. Um, if you haven't seen it, see it. 
and I, 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 I'm struggling to think of higher praise than it's the, especially in this, in 2019, yeah. with the amount of superhero movies that we've gotten, right. it's the best superhero movie ever made, full stop, mm-hmm. bar none. Miles, like, and, and again, like, we could talk about Miles, because yeah. this movie does Miles justice in a way that I don't know if any other media has yet. Yeah, it's something we talked about as soon as we saw it, because, like, mm-hmm. this does something in a remarkable way, where it's just like, he is Spider-Man, full stop, Yeah, he's, he's not the black Spider-Man, he's, he's not, not Spider-Man, Spider-Man Jr., right, right, he's, not he's not the sharing, other Spider-Man. Right, he's not sharing, he's not sharing a space with Spike, he's not sharing a space with Peter Parker, he's not like, oh, you got that, bro, I'll take this, we probably share Staten Island Right, we're something. swinging off together into the right, sunset. Right, right, we're not doing, like, because, you know, Pete, the Peter Parker in his universe died. Right. It's killed. Like, Miles Morales is Spider-Man. Like, yes. even the comics can't do that. Which is baffling to me. I mean, it's not really baffling. No, like, it kind of is. I, I feel like there's there's a weird... Especially in the ultimate... You mean ulti- the comics, or...? Well, in the ultimate universe, back right. when the ultimate universe was a thing... Right. They still couldn't make him Spider-Man. Even, even the after ultimate. they killed off Peter Parker, yeah. Yeah, and he was the only one left in his universe... Fans were clamoring for him. Fans loved him. Fans wanted him, obviously, after initial backlash from stupid people. But it was very easy for us to fall in love with Miles, but they still had to preface it by saying, Miles Morales, Spider-Man. Okay, yay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. or, or, you know, oh, well, you know, I, I like the, the looming Peter Parker over his shoulder all the right. time. I, I, I guess I just meant because even from, like, the clone saga from the '90s, where it's just like, hey, we we, we switch out Pete, we switch out Ben Riley. Mm. Peter Parker goes off, has a family in Seattle, whatever. Ben Riley's is Spider Man now, like that doesn't stick. No, like, like, Peter Parker is Spider Man. Like, that's what it always is. Mm-hmm. So like the mainstream six nine six one six comics, like they can't do that. Like right. Peter, like they, they could be on Spider Man for sure. And there are plenty. And, and there are plenty Spider Women as well. Mm. But Peter, like Peter Parker, is always going to be Spider Man. Like this movie is like not it's Miles. That's it. Right. And because I, I was a very nervous when they because i'm like okay cool so it's gonna be miles and peter knew that from the first trailer and in the second trailer they introduced my girl spider gwen who knocked it oh yeah um Haley steinfeld great stuff but then i'm like oh okay cool miles is sharing his debut movie with two other spider people that's mm-hmm. fine and then they're like oh and there's spider noir uh penny parker spider mech yeah. from the future and spider ham yeah and i'm like this is a very busy movie. I'm very nervous about Miles' debut. How are they going to make it work? How are they going to make it seem like this, you know, he he is the man that his movie needs him to be with all these other people. And by golly, Toby, they did it. They his, did. The whole movie's an origin story, essentially, which makes his him making his costume, which in and of itself is such a good character moment. Yeah. Um, and discovering his his powers uh, to... to What's up, Dan? Um, makes it so cathartic. Yeah. Like, like you, like there's this weight that you kind of have with Miles throughout the whole movie, and it's in that moment where like his his comic cover slams down, which yes. is such a great narrative device. Yes. This guys, this whole movie is just littered with good ideas. It really is. And they all, for the most part, I can't think of one that doesn't really work. Right. And if there is one. It's so minute and small that it's vastly overshadowed by all the other good ones. Um, name your name one dyna- dynamic from the movie that really just captured you. Because I know for me, it's um, the relationship between um, uh, Miles and Gwen. That one was great. Yeah. Um, my favorite line in the movie, I can say, is 
when they're talking to each other right before she's about to go back to her dimension at the in the climax. Yeah. And um, he says, next time, you know, next time we hang out, maybe you can try the friends thing again. And, you know, and, and it, any other movie would have been like, here's a hug, here's a kiss or whatever. But instead, the movie was smart enough to know that the most respectful thing and the the most rewarding thing that could come out of this friendship, this interaction, was her shaking his hand and saying, see you around, Spider-Man. Yeah. The whole movie, she's calling him Miles, 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 Miles. In that moment, she addresses... It's 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 everything to me. That, oh, yeah. that moment is... It's it's the best way their their whole dynamic could have ended is see around Spider Man. Yeah. Giving him that respect and acknowledging you got this. Yeah. I'm going because I know you have this. And it was uh. it was, it was one of he was like he was kinda of doing like his uh, he was swinging around doing his, doing doing the stunts and fighting off. And Jake Johnson's Peter Peter P. Barker was like, Did we teach him that? It's like we didn't like like we didn't definitely we definitely did not teach him that you definitely did not yeah <laughs> i didn't teach him and you definitely right, didn't right, teach right. Him. um another thing because because again we could talk about all these yeah, yeah, yeah. characters for so long but i i was in love 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 for me the crux of the movie is the relationship between miles and peter it aces. is it is aces. it's it's the new generation coming in of spider-man fans who are you know optimistic and wide-eyed but not you know not sure if they want to dive into this whole thing and then you have the jaded older what's the point anymore why bother doing it and the pudgier one <laughs> right the, the steve killius version um i was so excited that there was a spider-man i could finally cosplay um but um and then seeing how they learn from each other yeah different things that are equally important to their characters was it, it it's every interaction is so rewarding because then we can even talk about his relationship with his uncle. We can talk about his relationship with his dad, his mom. Um, I can't think. Just speaking, just saying, I'm Peter B. P. Right, Peter right, B, right. Uh, Miles, I can't think off the top of my head another dynamic that works as well as that in superhero movies. Not no, honestly. Um. Like I'm sure, like I'm sure people can make some some examples, but it's just like as good as as good as you could. Like I can't think of a dynamic in a mentor role, or because like I'm, I'm I don't thinking... know a mentor role. I'm just thinking like just two characters just mesh so well together. Because the one that and always... like you said, like just grow together so yeah. well. Yeah, they're they're so interwoven into their own story. Without like maybe making Batman it... and Gary Oldman in the Nolan films, like that's up there. The one that I went to, and this is romantic, so I don't know necessarily, sure. but um. Steve Trevor and Diana and Wonder Woman, where their relationship. That's good. No, that's good. I, but that's again, up there. that's not. I, that's not as strong. No, it's not. I think it's unique, but it's not as strong. Right. No, I agree. Yeah. Wow. Damn. Yeah. Well, all right. There we go. Yeah. And I think that's why we both. One of the first things that we wanted to talk about with the Spider-Man PS4 story was the relationship between Peter and Otto. Yes. I think there is that. You know that, but but that's like you know what would happen if Peter B went bad mm -hmm. and this was the optimistic, like Peter B was jaded and, and, you know, embittered by the world and right. through learning, uh, yeah, Toby, I want to watch this movie again. Can we pause this? And That's watch fine. This movie? Yeah, we can do it. Um, yeah, no, like it does things on a level that other animated movies haven't, I, I, I can't even imagine even thought of. Right. Oh, there was something else I wanted to say. I love Doc Ock. Yeah. That one, by the way. I oh, yeah. God. I love Aunt Again, May. Catherine Hahn again. 
made the character completely her own. Every time she was on screen, I was super stoked. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, Spider 2018 was was such a. And then honestly, you know, I'll toss in Tom Holland in Infinity War. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. He was he was really good. I thought he 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 had a lot more screen time than I thought he would have. Uh, his ending was obviously his death, quote unquote, big neon air quotes. Uh, was the most impactful. Um, honestly, affected Tony most in Endgame. We found out, you know, later on. But mm-hmm. there really wasn't wasn't much bad Spider-Man stuff last year, and a lot of the good was really fucking good. Right. So we got spoiled. And you know what? I'll wait another decade for a year like this. <laughs> <laughs> Call back in 2028. <laughs> so yeah. That was my number two, was Spider-Man representation in 2018. Good. Yes, yes, yes. Um, my number three. So last year, Atlanta was the best TV show mm-hmm. of the year. It, it had the championship belt. Donald Glover's sophomore season, uh, Atlanta Robin season, the official title. Oh, nice. That pushed the button. And we're, we're in a streaming era where almost everything is kind of in play as far as television and cinema kind of melding together and becoming right. this new content persona, Thing, this, new, yeah, yeah. this new third element <laughs> as far as that goes. But like every episode is not only ingenious and a standalone capsule of what television can do, each week it got better somehow. Damn. Like just when you thought, okay, that was incredible. Like, oh, it's doing like a, it's doing like a Federico Fellini thing. It does something else. Oh, it's doing like a standalone like Michael Jackson send up. It's doing something else. Oh, it's doing a, a flashback to childhood, which was really organic and heartbreaking and hilarious at the same time. It does something else. It's like it, it does something every, it does something every week that pushed the bar in its own element that really kind of made you captive. Remember when we sit down and like. I can't believe they're doing this. Nice. And I can't believe they're even making it better. I need to watch it. So with that said, Atlanta, really the, Atlanta, Atlanta is the best show of 2018. I, might, some, I mean, I mean, you have stuff like Russian Doll and Barry on right now. Little little a little drummer girl that came out late last year, early mm, this year. So right. yes, there's a lot of good TV out right now. But even with all that said, that's not my third thing. My third thing. Whoa. Is, yeah. My third thing is. Hold the rug out from under <laughs> us, Toby. My, the, my third thing is Killing Eve. That was oh. my favorite TV show last year. I love it so much. I love it dearly. I I love it like people. I love it more than people love their children. <laughs> uh, Your hyperbole is much appreciated on this show, Toby. <laughs> <don't you? laughs> I love the hyperbole. The pro and pros gotta go with that. Because uh, in an ideal world, that means you have no friends, and you you would sacrifice your ability to have children. For another movie from... Tamir Jenkins. And this show, yeah. Yeah, that's perfect for me, that's fine. That actually, yeah, alright. Um, so Killing Eve is based off of uh, novels by Luke Jennings, and this was a, the first season was uh, adapted and show-run and produced by Phoebe Waller-Bridge of Fleabag fame, and she was in the Han Solo movie as the Donald Glover's robot... Psychic. I didn't see it. I didn't either. But I'm a, yeah, sure. Robot psychic. Yeah, well, okay, whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that's all we're talking about a story. Nah, nah. No, but um, so it, it's about um, it's about a middle of the road, bored, M- M- MI5 agent played by Sandra O, oh, who discover who gets onto the case of a flamboyant, sexy, deranged female psychopathic assassin of going across Europe killing people and they become obsessed with each other in Hmm. a very 
intertwined and destructive way, but they can't help themselves. And again, this kind of leads into my first thing about female, about women storytellers within a space that they usually don't tell, where they usually don't, um, aren't really able to collaborate on and, and kind of blowing that up and making new things. Killing Eve does that as well within like the spy genre within TV, where we see what happens when you have someone as a brilliant writer like Phoebe Waller-Bridge work within the spy genre. So what happens when you have like the cat and mouse game, but the cat and mouse are starting to fall in love with each other? Oh, that's fun. Or what happens when you have the cat and mouse game, but you don't know at what... You, like they're, they're, it's very defined who the cat and mouse is at points, but it's sometimes they kind of merge and meld into each other. So the cat becomes more like the mouse, and the mouse becomes more of the cat. And it's it, it's sty very stylized, very... um. It's very gruesome and violent and very feminine all at the same time. Mm -hmm. And again, those things can't; those things aren't completely. No, yeah, right, yeah. right. They can They're not one. Of the, they're not like you know, mutually exclusive. But they can be very much the same thing. And this show very much delves into that. It kind of does like the orphan black thing a little bit, where it's like you know they kind of get once you get a little more into the plot into like who's hiring like the assassins and all that stuff. And like it gets a little the twelve and shit like that kind of get kind of gets lots of weeds. Like the strength of the show is just following uh, Sandra O's agent and Jodie Comer's uh, Villanelle, the assassin. Um, and even just again the cat and mouse game, the dynamic between the two of them, the power, the, the the gender and the political the the, the 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 overall international politics of it all it's like it's just so well done across the board and Sandra Oh got the Emmy nomination last year for best oh, nice. action drama which she more than deserved it's it's probably her best performance that she has it's her it's a crown jewel in her career mm. where we really see I mean it's Sandra Oh so of course she's beautiful as hell yeah I think that goes without saying right yeah that goes without saying but this this show really kind of emphasizes Oh shit, that's Sandra O. Oh. And even the assassin's like, hey, you're Sandra O. Oh. You're beautiful. Like, <laughs> oh shit. Let's, yeah, let's, let's show that off. But what Jodie Comer does in this show is next level stuff. Like, I can't even describe, like, just the stuff she does with her face, um, the girlishness, but also the um, dismissiveness at the same time. Uh, she's very much on a very different sides of the spectrum as far as um she's very human but very cold she's very psychopathic but very endearing she's very um she's hilarious but terrifying at the same time and we even within a die within each other i remember listening to a podcast just talking about and, and i forget what it was but i was driving and they mentioned how she's 25 years old i almost had a heart attack on the road like the like watching this wait She's 25? She's 25. Well, 26 maybe now. But regardless, the fact that she's that young doing this performance, I was like, that can't be white. How? Well, how? That's cheating. <laughs> That's che hey, stop cheating. <laughs> That's not fair. Get rid of your game shark. Yeah, your game genie, whatever. Yeah. Like, it, it's, it's, it's insane how good she is on this show. And huh. how good the writing and the directing, and um, the photography and the production and the and even the production design, like how it all kind of is tailored for these two performances and these two actresses, uh, and 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 the second season's not right now, and they're even better this time around than they were before, 
it's 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 mind boggling to me. And like even like um Fiona Shaw who plays like the um uh Eve Sandra O's boss in MI five, like I'm saying like I I've been wanting to say this for a while, but I'm saying it's not like she Fiona Shaw's um Carolyn might be the best James Bond we have right now. Ooh, like okay. she's like this super spy that is hilarious in a very dry British humor. Like there's one yes. scene there's one there's one scene in the first season and I think people who watch the show are, are know what I'm gonna talk about, but there's this one scene in the first scene where she's taking her, she's taking uh, Eve into one of um, the offices, and she stops at the door, looks to her left, and she says, "You know, I'm paraphrasing, like you know, one time when I came through here, I saw a rat drinking from a soda can with both hands. Remarkable." <laughs> and she just walks in, and that's it. That's it. Like the way she says it, the way she delivers that line, the way Fiona Shaw basically is as a human being, as an actor, is just <laughs> make her James Bond for real. Just do it. Just make her James Bond. Okay. It, it's. I'll make a couple calls. I remember Darren uh, uh, Franich. Um, he's a writer on, on uh, Entertainment Weekly. Great writer. In one of his reviews for Killing Eve, he, he basically said it's not fair to have Fiona Shaw on your show. That's cheating. <laughs> And that's yeah. what it feels like. It, it feels that's what it feels like. It feels like listen, you already got Sandra Oh and Jody Comb. Yeah, feel like what the fuck, man. Yeah, that's the, yeah. That's on the deck. That's, <laughs> that's like that's 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 putting too much sauce on it. it yeah. And, and oh my god, I can I can rant about the show all day. It's and the music is incredible. <laughs> so Killing Eve. Yeah. I've heard of it. Yeah. What? Where where is it on? Uh, How, BBC where America, can I watch BBC America? And it's on uh, AMC as well. Oh okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can catch up. So again, it's yeah, it's only the only first the first season is on what eight episodes I think. Oh pff, come on. Right, and like the second season's on right now. So is it based on a book? Yeah. Okay. A, a series of books by Luke Jennings. Okay. Yeah. I was gonna say because that I'm I'm seeing the cover of the book in my mm-hmm. head as you're saying Killing Eve. Okay. And like the like the I, I was just, I was reading about the music like the music cues is like it's like when Tarantino was good like it's oh, it's that okay. level of like crescendoing at the right time comes in fades out the right song fits the mood perfectly it's like it, it, the the music I don't know I can't think of the music super fast off the top of my head is but it's like they're doing incredible top-notch work and just fitting all of it together within this apparatus of tv nice it's it, again it's one of the best shows on right now killing eve yeah okay all just right the there thing. we go yeah um i i we're we're about an hour 45 in nice as we yeah that's that's that, that's that's about right yeah um i i think we have a bit bit more ground to cover sure after these three yeah, yeah. things so you're fine. I'm gonna keep. No, I'm gonna keep mine short. Okay. Mostly because I can't think of anything. Okay. So <laughs> hey. I'm. I'm. And this again. There are two sides to this podcast, and you're gonna know. By now, you know which side both of us fall under. My third favorite thing, because I, I off the top of my head, for the past however long you've warned me about this podcast, <laughs> I, the only thing I can come up with is. The fact that a scene from a season seven episode of The Simpsons became a meme in 2018, it's called Steamed Hams. Um, 
and it's my favorite thing, and I honestly just want to play it because it's just a scene from and 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 it was spread far and wide. Is this a Skinner and Chalmers? Bit? Yes. Oh, okay. And it's <laughs> and it 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 like beginning of January. Someone's like, have you, have you guys fucking seen this? This is hilarious, and it's rare for a meme. Maybe I'm old. Correct. I am old, and so memes to me are like nonsensical. It's like internet graffiti, and yeah. then it just comes and goes, and it makes no sense, and people think it's hilarious. But with this, the people of the internet were like, oh, no, we're acknowledging that something is genuinely incredibly clever and well-written and is good comedy, so we're just going to, like, spread it around. And I, I liked that. I miss old Simpsons. I do, too. So, it's just that golden age of the Simpsons where they're, yeah. just, batting, they're just batting at, like, 400 the entire time. Right, and so... So that that's my number three okay. is for 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 a for a small little portion of our tiny blip of an existence. The internet's like this is genuinely funny. I love that. So there we go. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. My brother and I still quote it all the time. <laughs> as a meme, it's been dead for a very long time. Yeah, yeah. But as a piece of of uh, clever pop culture. It's still very hilarious. And you know me, I, I quote or I sing to myself all the time the Planet of the Apes musical they do. Like, and that's also very clever. That's <laughs> that's one of the best pieces of writing in American television. Like, I, 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 I would kill to be in that writer's room. I with, love you, Dr. Zass. I want to be, I wish I was in the writer's room where someone came up with Chip and Chimpanzee. I'm like, oh, sorry, say that again? <laughs> A chimpanzee, a chimpanzee, oh and everyone. I, I was wrong. It, it was Earth all along. So they, they finally made a monkey. Yes, they finally made a monkey. Yes, they finally made a monkey out of me. I love you, Doctor Sayus. You got that for free, Gwyneth. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I was wrong. It was Earth all along. You finally made a monkey. Yes, we finally made a monkey. Yes, you finally made a monkey out of me. I love you, Dr. Zayas.